I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey cuties, I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On Our Private Bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough or at all. Trust me, as a sober, HIV-positive, non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new and you will definitely LOL. Our Private Bits is also part of the ACAST Creator Network. All right, cuties, today on Our Private Bits, we are changing things up a little bit because I'm going to be answering questions that you all asked me on social media. And in order to do that, I have a very special guest, Slater Manzo, who is my producer (laughs) on the podcast. Welcome. Want to say hi? Hello, everyone. How's everyone doing there? (laughs) (laughs) You're such a personality, so it's like nice to bring you in front of the camera. Yes, it's (laughs) kind of fun to be in front of the camera for once, I have to admit. But do I love doing the back, back behind the scenes kind of stuff? absolutely i love it also when we're like recording the podcast like i have such a hard time not watching slater's like reactions to things (laughs) (laughs) because i'm a big reactor too like i will be off to the side literally being like it's so good i I live for it i live for it you know it's like when we're like i guess like when they have like those like live studio audience shows and like they put up the signs of like laugh now or whatever it's like it makes me like laugh even more when you're perfect i am i'm the prompter then for you (laughs) i'm into it love it so I actually didn't really read the questions that came in because I felt like I wanted them to be a bit of a surprise for me. So I took screenshots of the questions and just sent them to you. So I actually have no idea what any of these questions are. Oh, right. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see what they are today. Okay, well, (laughs) I get to surprise you with the questions, which is always fun. So I love that. Okay, so we'll start it off. We'll do the first question that is here. This is actually a good question, I think, to start off on. So... How do you figure out your own personal style and aesthetic? Oh, gosh. I feel like a lot of people ask me this. And I don't know. Like, I'm so... Like, the way that I dress, I think, is so based off of, like, emotion and, like, how I'm feeling and, like where whether what like if I'm leaning into my divine femininity or masculinity that day so like okay I don't know I don't feel like I follow a specific like aesthetic because I I, it's like it's so much based off of feeling and I think that's why I like love just wearing like such a variety of looks and outfits like I don't know I don't think that like I don't know I I mean I have to ask other people but I don't think like I can be like what's like a signature like Miles Sexton look because I feel like I don't have like that aesthetic. I don't know. What do you think? Like, Interesting. Do you think I have an aesthetic? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would say so. Okay, oh, yeah, what's yeah. your aesthetic? No, I would <laughs> say you like you, you, because you always like come across as this like beautiful creature as the okay. best way to describe Love it. It's it. like, it is one of those things where you are always like just in this embodiment of masculine and feminine. And okay. it's a great way of like, showing that off in the way that you dress and the way that you do yourself. It's like a, it's a, it's own brand. Like I, I so. can't really if I try and think of like someone else in a Miles Sexton outfit, it yeah. doesn't sit in my brain as correct. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Like the, your Jean Paul Gaultier <laughs> moments and all those kind of things are like phenomenal. And it's like when I see you in those outfits, I'm just in there going like, 
Yes. Uh, that makes sense. Everything clicks. I, well, I appreciate that. But I feel like, I don't know. It's like, I, I feel like I get so inspired, I guess, like by history a bit. Like yeah. I really lo- like, I love referencing, I think like, like ancient artwork and like, I don't know, just like the way that people would dress in like ancient times. So oh, I like, I okay. love bringing a bit of like that inspiration into this sort of like modern era a oh, bit I too. Like, I don't know, like, you know, like I love like nodding to the past and then like bringing it to the future, I guess. Oh, so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Love that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go on to the next question there. This one is an, uh, a fun one, but I'm curious on your thoughts on it. Okay. Any tips of finding and navigating queer communities, scenes, and spaces? Ooh. I mean, like, this is such, this, I really like this question. Right. Um, you know, like, honestly, I feel like it, it can be really hard and intimidating, you know, like I, I, I definitely like remember being, you know, like a 16, 17, 18 year old and like coming into queer spaces for the first time mm-hmm. and just feeling very like overwhelmed and like, wasn't sure like where I fit in. And, yeah. you know, because I was so androgynous as a young, like as a teenager and a young adult, you know, like I, I never really felt like I saw my place like within community and like everyone was like oh like you should just be a drag queen and and there was a lot of this like kind of conversation around that so Mm -hmm. you know but but I think that that's like I think like from the surface it can be very like you know it can be very intimidating but I think like once you go beyond that there you'll find your people within it but I think it's like you just have to be patient and like maybe you find those people online first or like you know I really like I think take notice to like what type of spaces like you're going into because Mm -hmm. I, you know, like I think there's so many like of these almost like subcategories of queer spaces, right? That like, you know, depending on where you go, you might get like, you know, like you're going to like a leather bar, you're probably going to get like more bears or, you know, like if you're going to like, uh, like, like like a house music kind of dance club kind of thing, like, I feel like it's probably more like jocks or like things like that. Like you'll sometimes. also find more club kids. I find in totally. That area too, and you'll get so. like a, a blend. It just mm-hmm. depends on like where you go. You know, like I don't know. And also, like every city, I feel like is different too. Like depending on like who goes sort of where and like yeah. So I I think it's like you know try to do your research and try to find you know find other people and like honestly like I for me like one of the best things I think to help me like find people was like. I would go through like kind of like hashtags and stuff like online and was like finding other people who were using similar hashtags that I was using on my outfits or like for my aesthetic or like, you know, like now let's just use it as an example. Like I, you know, you could go under like hashtag non-binary and Mm -hmm. like maybe find other people and like that are on a similar journey that you might have like a bit of like a common, a common thread with, you know? Okay. Okay. I like that. That's really cool. Okay. I love that way of like navigating queer spaces is just kind of like, you could just kind of have to see, you know, it's like depending on where you are type of thing. And, you know, and it's going to change, right? Like, mm-hmm. because, you know, like for me, I like, you know, I really only had the clubs at the beginning. So yeah. like, you know, like I very much became a club kid and like that was a part of like my identity at that time. But, you know, as I got older and I got sober, it's like those spaces didn't really like feel safe anymore mm-hmm. for me. So like, you know, that sort of changed. Like, you know, I find a lot more like I've been trying to create friendships like outside of the clubs yeah you know that are a bit more meaningful so yeah. that's yeah. actually where I I'm pitching it out to anyone out there yeah please make a queer coffee shop oh my god honestly seriously because we do not have enough of those out there Agreed. and it's like the one thing I feel like I don't always want to go to the club totally. and especially as like a 
music producer and DJ and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Like my work is generally the club. Exactly. You like, need a different space. Exactly. I would rather have a different space to socialize and meet people and all that. So yes. wouldn't it be great to have a coffee shop? Just putting that out there. Yeah, or like apps that are like not focused around like sex and yes. are focused around like maybe connection and like friendship. Because I think Bumble is doing something like are that. Are they actually. starting to do that? Yeah. That's Bumble is uh, one of the few I think that is like focused on like friends and also I think even like freelance work. I think they do something in there too. Oh cool. Yeah yeah. Because it's like you know like I don't know even when I'm traveling right like it's like I want to connect with people but I don't necessarily like want it to be like so sex first exactly. focused you yeah. know and so it's like how do you like meet people in other countries that you're maybe traveling to that might like want to show you around or like show you their city or I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. There's options out there, but yeah, it's very limited totally. when it comes down to it. But at least I know of Bumble for okay. sure. Being I, I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. All right. So we're going to go on to the next question there. Let's see. When you feel judgment come up, how do you ease those thoughts and show yourself love? <laughs> yeah. Big question. I, that <laughs> is a big one. You know, I think... I think that's a big one, right? I think we are, I think internally, you know, like you're constantly sort of fighting these, like the shame, you know, or judgment or whoever you want to call it, you know, because I think we have so much sort of like this history that of our lives that like lead us up to this point, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, there's a lot of times where we'll, we're going to feel triggered and something's going to come up. And I, mm -hmm. I always like, I don't, in therapy, like we talk about it a lot is like parts work. So, you know, like you have like your wise self and then you have all these other like sub sort of like parts of yourself that like kind of bubble up to the surface, like when, depending on like what you're feeling or what's triggering it. And yeah, yeah. so, you know, with shame and judgment, I definitely like, you know, I, I experience these parts that are sort of coming up. But I think as for me anyway, the more work that I do, like with communicating with myself and like being able to recognize when those parts come up, I think is such a game changer mm -hmm. for me anyway, because it's like, I think when you can recognize it, it almost like humanizes it a bit more versus like, when you're not recognizing what's happening and like why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and why this part of yourself is sort of like being activated, then you kind of just like keep going forward in yeah. this sort of cycle. And then you're like on this sort of like loop of shame and mm -hmm. you're like, you're really like wallowing it in it a lot. And like, but when you can like recognize it and be like, okay, like right now I'm feeling shame coming up. I can accept, I, I can understand that. I can, I want to understand why I'm feeling that. And it just like, it sort of like gives you a bit more of like an answer of like, okay, like this maybe from my childhood is making me feel this way because, yes. you know, my parents spoke to me in that way. And that's mm -hmm. why I'm feeling this coming up or, you know, just as an example. And like, when you can sort of like link that to something, I find that helps me a lot more. So like, I definitely suggest like, if you, you know, have the means to be able to go to therapy and do parts work it's been super helpful there's like a lot of really um really great books I love it's uh by Jessica Baum Baum I think is how you pronounce her last name she has like this book called anxiously attached and oh, it like talks yes. about attachment styles which yes. is like very similar about with parts work mm -hmm. um and like you know so I, I think it does really like help you just like sit with yourself in those moments when when it's coming up and like kind of be like okay like I appreciate you for like trying to protect me because that's really what it is at the end of the day. But like, you're not actually serving me in a way that's wise or healthy. You yes. know, so you can kind of put it back into that back to the place where it should be like within within your 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 mind, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope that helps. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good way of looking at it. And also to even add to that, yeah. I think it's also a good reminder that it's like 
your reaction is generally coming from like your inner child. Yes. So totally. it's like if you recognize that as like your inner child is coming to reach out to you to for like love and stuff like yes. that, it you kind of have a bit more compassion towards that reaction, Absolutely. towards that triggers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because you're like trying to soothe, right? Like exactly. it, it, that's what it is. It's like you're trying to soothe. And, and also like I think that I didn't say earlier, it's like don't also just like try to ignore it or like mm -hmm. avoid it. Because yes. it's like, that's only going to make it worse. And I think it's important that you need to sit with it. Like, you know, I think as humans, like we just want to experience like happiness and joy, but it's like, it's important to feel shame and it's important to feel sadness and anger and like all of these emotions. Cause these are like all parts of what make us human. Mm -hmm. And I think that all of these things like also offer us like so many teachings and learnings that like, if we just avoid feeling them at all or like numb ourselves so we don't feel it, then yeah. like, you know, I think it's like it actually like manifests in like a very negative way inside of ourselves. 100%. Definitely. All right. Moving on to the next question there. Okay. This one is a very interesting one. Okay. Uh, I'm curious on your take. You, you don't have to answer this <laughs> one if you don't have to. Uh, my feelings to be a woman have always been and never liked being a man, but I'm 46. Is it too late? Okay, sorry, read this again. I know it's a it's a bit worded in a, in, a, in a strange way, but I'm feeling that it's about like wanting to transition yes. basically. So, my feelings to be a woman have always been Okay. And I never liked being a man, but I'm 46. Is it too late? Absolutely not. <laughs> I think, you know, I I think a lot of the time like we put these sort of like timelines in our lives and we think that it's like a race to get to them. And I think that we're all in like very individual journeys, you know, yeah. and I don't think I, I really like encourage people to not like put these sort of like, oh, I'm 46 and I'm and I can't transition now. Like, I think that that's like totally not the case. I think it's just like getting yourself to a point where you feel ready, you know, it is really important. And like, there's mm -hmm. no sort of like number or age that's like associated with that. No. Um, and honestly, like there are so many people that transition later in life, you know, and and that's okay, you know, and and honestly, like from a safety perspective, like it's almost sometimes can be a better situation because, you know, if you feel like you are established in your life and, you know, you have a bit more of your own security that you can provide yourself, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's a lot easier than people who do transition younger, who, you know, could be homeless or abused or like whatever, like, you know, mm -hmm. there's a lot more like volatile sort of situations. I think like, um, when you are younger and trying to transition, if you don't have like a really strong support network, yeah. um, there also is this really great book and now I'm like forgetting the name of it. It's by the author, um, Rowan who wrote like one sunny afternoon and totally forgetting the first book but anyway it's it's about like his wife that transitions mm -hmm. like you know I I think they were like already married for like 20 years or something like that oh, or wow. like something like that and then transitioned like within their relationship so oh wow or like something like yeah it was like it was quite a while so yeah. definitely recommend checking it out Ooh, yes good recommendation there all right we're gonna go on to the next question Ooh, <laughs> this one's fun I don't know if you'll be able to like answer it in a podcast format okay. because I feel like this is probably a TikTok, if anything, or like <laughs> one of those Instagram reels that you have to show. But it's what is your no makeup makeup routine? I mean, like I, I generally I feel like I don't wear a lot of makeup. I like I, I very much loved like the 90s when it came to like makeup, you know, yeah. where it was like things were very like minimal, you know, so like I love like a tinted moisturizer and like a little bit of a brow gel. And then like, you know, sometimes I'll do like a, 
a bit of bronzer maybe or like a winged eyeliner you know or yeah, yeah. like i i don't know i i really try to keep it like pretty pretty simple just and i think like less is more you know yes. like i think like because because of like the the later you know like the 2015 kind of era like makeup became so heavy and like it became about like how many products can I put on and like yeah. people are putting like you know 10 plus products on their face and I, mm -hmm. I I don't know I just find that a bit like excessive and I think that there's like so many products that you can use in like multiple ways to accomplish a bit more of like a no makeup makeup look so yeah. um Fenty eavesdrops are like my favorite it's like a beautiful tint like moisturizer yes. like they're one of my faves I feel like it looks like skin um it's the one that's kind of shaped like a crystal, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually have that one too. Oh my God. Yeah, I yeah. love it. Like, I feel like people can't clock it, which is really nice. So that's why I ended up getting it too, because yeah. on those days where it's like, I just want my skin just to like look a little bit smoother or something totally. like that, that's perfect to throw in my Exactly. Face, it's know? super blurring mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I think, I think you just, and, and two, I think it also comes from like a place of like self-acceptance, you know, mm -hmm. like, cause I, I also like. I used to wear like full coverage, like foundation. And then I would put a full coverage powder on top. And like, you know, like I think a lot of that, like also just like stemmed, stemmed from like a lot of my own insecurities yeah. that I was, you know, facing internally. So like, yes, I'm really appreciative of makeup for helping me get to a place where I can just wear a tinted moisturizer now. But like, you know, I, I, I think it's just like, I also like, I like to encourage people to like, I, you know, have those internal conversations with themselves of like, mm -hmm. like, why am I wearing the makeup? Yeah. You know, why do I want this much coverage? You know, yes. like, and, and what like is emotionally connected to that? Because, you know, like trust, like, I, I feel like I perpetually just always look tired. So like, you know, <laughs> I, I, but it's like, it's something that I've had to come to accept, you know, and mm -hmm. like, same with like, you know, my, like my breakouts or my, uh, my scars on my face, you know, like I, now I feel like I wear them as like, as like, part of like my outfit you know like I think it just yeah. like makes me more interesting and yeah I've just tried to embrace it a bit more it gives you uniqueness like the idea of complete perfection is yeah. impossible in the first place and so the idea of imperfections is what makes someone perfect totally a hundred percent yes all right we'll go on to the next question there I think let's go with I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. That's a good one. How can you become a brand ambassador representative? Yeah, I mean, like, I think that's, this is a good one. Like, being a content creator and, like, trying to work with brands, I think, is something that takes time, you know? Like, I think, I think in terms of, like, followers, like, it's really important that you do create some sort of, like, following online before brands are really going to work with you. Like, Mm -hmm. that's just the reality, I, I think, of it. So Too real. Yes. And so, like, I think what's really great is, like, you know, maybe figure out which brands you want to work with and then, like, maybe start curating content like, like what those brands might want to use, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, let's say you want to work with some makeup brands, you know, start posting reviews and tutorials of like your makeup products and start putting it out there. And then, you know, like, I would say, like, to be honest, like, most brands probably want you to have 10,000 followers, like as a minimum, yeah, as a minimum, very much work with you, you know, so like, really make that a goal for yourself to sort of like hit Mm -hmm. and then like, you know, And then a big thing that I usually do is like I'll like Google like what the PR agencies are like in my like in the city that I live in. And and then I usually like on their websites will have like links or emails that you Mm -hmm. can email to people who like at that work at the agency and like which brands they work with, you know. And so like I usually like pitch to them and I'll be like, hey, like I usually introduce myself and then you know, I'll, I'll really like already do my research on the brands that they represent and like the products that maybe I would want to feature. And I will pitch sort of ideas that I have of like how I would love to be able to feature their products and like some sponsored mm, content. And okay. I, I sort of go like the route that way. Okay. Nice. Nice. Good answer. I like that. Um, oh, this is a good one too. Cause I think we started working together when this happened as well. Uh, when did you choose to be open about your status? Was it hard? Yeah, I mean, this is a really good one for both of us because, you know, like when it was with you that I reached out that I talked about my sobriety. Yes. But like, I don't know. Did I tell you that I was HIV positive when when we filmed that sobriety video? I don't think I did. I think because if I remember correctly, you did the sobriety video first. It was like a year before I did it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you did the sobriety video, we figured out doing that. And then you approached me like the year later about like I want to do my HIV status yes. video and so yeah I think it was around that time-ish that I think that's how that okay out. I wasn't sure if I told you or not because yeah. it was like it was very much like <laughs> I was testing the waters with that like sobriety video yeah. you know because it was like I don't know like at that time when I shared that my sobriety video like I just feel like talking about those things were so not talked about and like it's so it it's all a, cliche in the moment. totally like it was just like no one was being vulnerable online it was so much about like hyper perfectionism you know and like very curated feeds and like mm-hmm. TikTok wasn't around then either no. and so like TikTok really like I think changed the game in terms of like being open and honest so like yes. about like things like this and talking about these like hard topics that are like very traumatizing and have a lot of stigma and shame attached to them so like yeah, like, so I feel like I I started with the sobriety video to sort of, like, 
you know, test this out. And the response was like incredible. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, and then I don't know, I think it just like helped me find the internal courage to talk about my HIV status. Yeah. And then, but like really at the end of the day, I think it was about just me reclaiming my power. You know, like I think, I think shame still was like manifesting itself inside of me and I needed to like let go of that. And by putting it out to the social media was sort of like a way of like me holding myself accountable that like this isn't something that I'm going to let it rule my life. Yeah, I think so. Or let the shame of it rule my life. Yeah, interesting. So did you did you find it like it was a, a like emotionally tolling on you to actually like come out with this? Or did it feel more like a release, if anything? I mean, like both, I guess, you know, like HIV was a lot different than my sobriety. Like I felt like there's not as much like shame based thing, like internal shame based things around sobriety, like mm-hmm. when you talk about it. But like with HIV, it was so different because I think was more like identity focused and I was so afraid of being rejected Mm -hmm. you know because it was like I had to tell like everyone had to sort of know this and I was like you know and I was single at the time too and I was like I just felt like it was like gonna make me like less desirable to like men and like which is like so fucked up and yeah I don't know I get the shame the shame will be there on that idea like I understand of course because like even for the time that like I I had an STD it's cleared now but it's like first thing I had was full-on shame and then it was like oh no my life is ruined but then it's like oh okay just get a couple of treatments and then you're fine exactly it's all this like made up sort of stigma that we've created inside of ourselves right and it's like so yeah so like I you know so then I was like that whole year I was really like just like battling, you know, this of like, you know, I want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. And I just did a lot of like traveling and like hiking all by myself. And I I think it just like allowed me to spend a lot of time like reflecting Mm -hmm. on it. And like, and it was kind of funny, like this is like a, it's a bit of a a funny story, but so Mm -hmm. I was in Thunder Bay and I was like on one of my hiking trips and I'm like really like tarot cards. And I remember like (laughs) I pulled like a tarot, like I usually like will pull like a three card tarot card like sometimes when I need a bit of clarity on like where I'm at Mm -hmm. and I remember like pulling it and it was like I don't remember exactly I have to go back in my like diary and like look at what the exact card was but it was like I think it was like one of like the swords cards and it was like and it was like talking about how like I guess like the meaning behind the card is like something like it was like you know these things like there there's something in your life that's like holding you like back from like moving forward and you feel like you're in limbo or something like that yeah yeah and I, I just like remember reading that and then I don't know it just like it, it sort of like gave me a bit more like clarity of like how on pause I think my life was for two years when I was like navigating it and I just like I really like I feel like I reverted back to a lot of like my old scripts and like just not living my most authentic self like Mm -hmm. how how I wanted to like I just felt like I needed to like hide from the world for kind of two years and yeah so I remember like I did this like really intense hike where I like I climbed to the top of this mountain and like it was like yeah it was like so intense like Mm -hmm. I and I didn't bring enough water and I just like remember like getting to the top and like just like sort of like feeling this release and like was like okay like I I like felt good about my decision and just like mm-hmm. could see the in- the good intention by like talking about it and it, I don't know I think I like released a lot of like my shame and internalized like stigma that I had like in that sort of moment so yeah like I made the video like a few weeks later that's so good yeah <laughs> that's a good way of like it, it like 
I'm happy that it was a release moment, if anything, because there's always the anxiety of something like that, trying to like post it. It's like, I'm afraid of what everyone's going to think of it. But it's good that it's like, if anything, you had the release and you were like, let's just put it out to the world now. Totally. And, you know, like I also because I, you know, like at the time when I was diagnosed, I was also in like a very public relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of that also like was me like out of respect of him, I was afraid to talk about it. Yeah. You know, because I think he made me feel a lot of like shame and stigma like about it. And Sorry like about that. in the in the relationship. And like, you know, he was just like, yeah, like it wasn't like I think in his way, he was trying the best his best to support me. And I know that the whole situation was a lot. And like, you know, I it's it's a bit of like a it's a bit of a frustrating situation, mm -hmm. you know, like because it's like you know, I, I did cheat on him within the relationship and like that. And it was like, but I also was dealing with a lot of like health problems. So like, I don't fully know if it came from the person that I cheated on him with or it, I had it prior to the relationship. So there was a lot of like unknown within, within it. So, you know, when we broke up and whatever, and I, I told him that I wanted to go like public about my status, you know, and, and, you know, so I had like, I shared to him the script that I was like, you know, basically gonna recite like in the video and mm -hmm. you know like and and it was really nice like he actually was like pretty supportive and like encouraging about me like talking about it and you know and there wasn't any sort of like reference to it but I actually like I did lie in that video by saying like I didn't I didn't I made the timeline different in the video like mm -hmm. out of respect for him to not like try to associate it with him even though like it didn't work in my favor and people like you know, a lot of people were messaging him, asking him if he was like positive. And I, I can get that that's like, can be very overwhelming, but it was just a lot to deal with, like yeah. in that time. Cause it was like, you know, this was like probably the most vulnerable thing I've ever done in my entire life. I'm talking about this on social media and like, you know, and then now I'm like also managing someone else's emotions at the same time when they're not publicly telling the world that they're HIV positive, but okay. I was, you know, so yeah, yeah, it was a lot. Let's just say thank God for Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tyler's a blessing being totally. like, just like yeah, everything's fine. Everything's great. Totally. Uh, all right. Let's go into the next one. This one oh, is actually very much related to your trip, actually, just okay. came, that you just went on. How important are mindfulness and self-care? I'll say that question again. Yes. How important are mindfulness and self-care when at an all-inclusive resort and staying sober? Yeah, I mean, well, this was like my first time ever going to an all-inclusive sober. So, yeah. um, you know, like I, I didn't really go into, I don't know why, like going into the trip, I wasn't anxious or didn't even really think about that it wasn't going to be a safe space for me. And mm -hmm. and then when I got there, I remember like we checked into our room and then we like went to the pool to like try to go find some food. And just like there were so many like just wasted people like throwing themselves around and like, you know, just like, you know, just, just being a mess. And of like, course. and then that's when it hit me. I was like, like, this is not a safe space for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I was like, I really had to like, you know, again, like that shame and that judgment sort of like started coming up. And like, I really had to like go back to, you know, put them away and like go back to my wise self and be like, okay, like, what have I learned? What are my practices? Like, what are things that ground me? You mm -hmm. know? So I think that that's where the mindfulness sort of came in on my vacation was like, okay, like I really need to set a routine for myself that's like focused in on self-care, you know? So, you know, I was waking up early every day, like watching the sunrise, I'd go for like, you know, a five kilometer run and then I would like work out and then I would like, 
you know, go at breakfast with Tyler. And then mm-hmm. I would do some journaling and reading in the afternoon. And, you know, I was like trying to find spaces like within the all-inclusive that weren't so like party focused. Yes. Um, you know, so I, I definitely think it's really important, but it's really like the first time that I've traveled because I, you know, I'm very much more of like a backpacker sort of traveling type of person. Like I love like, yeah, exploring yeah. a country and not staying in one spot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, so this was really like the first time that I felt like I had to like put these things into practice. And I also like learned a lot from this trip because I, because I'm more of like a go, go, go kind of person. It really also showed me like, wow, I came home from this trip and I wasn't tired, you know, yeah. like I felt very like re-energized and like rejuvenated and like that was a different experience so like you know I think that self-care piece I'm like okay how do I incorporate maybe this a bit more into like my travel of like you know when we are maybe doing like our backpacking trips that we're like maybe spending a few days at the end of the trip maybe in one spot to like relax you know or something yeah 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 Yeah. interesting okay it's like I I always find it fascinating because it's like I I don't sit on like either side like for me like I like to have drinks but I don't like to get drunk totally but it's like I can only imagine being in this sober position, just being around wasted people, how anxious, like anxious and the energy would be around that too, you know? So it's good that you found ways of kind of like coping with it. Now it's like, you're probably still going to find more ways the more you go to like resorts and everything like that yeah. too. But it's like, it's good that it's like running, if anything, is one of the ways that you've found a way of expelling it. You know? Totally. Like, I, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important for people to like find things that spark joy, yes. you know, and like, that's totally probably going to be different for everyone, you know, but, but yeah, I think it's like, if we can find those things, you know, I think it's, it's nice to be able to like go back into those environments though. And like reclaim, I think our power Mm -hmm. over those environments. Cause you know, I think I understand like, you know, I avoided spaces like those for such a long time, you know? So it's, it it was nice to go back in and be like, okay, like I feel strong enough in who I am. Like Mm -hmm. I can do this, you know? And it was good. Like I I did thoroughly enjoy myself like on vacation and it wasn't like a full, super traumatic experience. Yeah. 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 But it's like, obviously the little triggers will come up, but then it's like, you learned to deal with it. Totally. You, instead of like diving into the trigger, you kind of like worked with the trigger. Exactly. Exactly. All right. I do have more questions, but I think we need to call it for now and save it for part two, if anything. So, yes. Well, thanks for your questions. And, you know, please write me on Instagram or uh, or TikTok if you have other ones that you want to learn more about. Yeah, we'll do more of these, of course. So, yes. yes. All right. Take care. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.